Spring came, just as Bella had predicted. The best part of every day now was walking to and from work in the soft spring breeze. It wasn't hot enough yet that the garbage in the street stank, but the snow drifts and the ice chunks and the cruel winter winds were long gone. Sometimes, walking home, Bella linked her elbows with her friends and skipped down the sidewalk, pulling them along. Aren't you tired from working, Yetta asked one Sunday, sunny Saturday afternoon. Yes, Bella said, too tired to walk like this. For the next few steps, she imitated Yetta's walk, trudging along with her head down, sliding her feet against the pavement as if they were much too heavy to lift. Jane laughed. That's a science experiment I should have Millicent and Harriet do, she said. Which takes more energy, trudging or skipping? At the very least, it might wear Harriet out before she completely exhausts me. Jane had been working as the Blanc girl's governess for a month now. Early on, she'd worked out an arrangement with Mr. Blanc's chauffeur. Each morning, Jane walked to the triangle factory with Yetta and Bella, and then the chauffeur, who'd just dropped off Mr. Blanc, would take her back to the Blanc's house. They reversed the process each evening when they could. If Mr. Blanc needed the chauffeur for some other purpose, Jane took the trolley. Bella loved having Jane walk along with them. She loved hearing Jane's stories of Millicent and Harriet and their lives, their trips to Macy's, their trips to Florida, their picnics and museum outings and walks in the park. You said Mrs. Blanc wanted you to take Millicent and Harriet shopping today, Bella prompted now. Did Millicent get the pink gloves she wanted? Were they as soft as a feather, like the advertisement said? Yetta jerked her arm away and stopped on the sidewalk. How can you, Yetta fumed. How can you want to hear about Millicent buying her 13th pair of gloves at Macy's when her father cheats you out of being able to afford any? There's a direct connection. Our underpaid labor paid for those gloves. Well, if I paid for those gloves, shouldn't I want to know what they looked like? Bella joked, trying to jolly Yetta into a better mood. Yetta only glowered more. Bella tugged on her arm, pulling her forward again. You have to understand, Bella continued, speaking seriously now. I am so much richer in America than I ever was in Italy. I have food now. Why should I worry about not having gloves? Don't you want more out of life than potatoes and bread? Yetta asked. Bella considered this. Jane was waiting for her answer, too. I want to see my family again, but no amount of money could bring them back to life, Bella said slowly. I want Pietro to come back from South Carolina and marry me and whisk me off to the castle that he deserves because he's as handsome as a prince. This drew a reluctant giggle from Yetta and an outright chuckle from Jane. But that's not going to happen, Bella admitted. I didn't ever really know Pietro, so it's more like he's just a dream to me. A fantasy. Besides, if he came back and asked for your hand in marriage, Rocco Luciano would challenge him to a duel, Jane teased. He'd scream in his pipsqueak voice, Unhand the lady! Bella Rossetti is the love of my life! Oh, please, Bella protested. Rocco Luciano is a little boy. But she blushed. She did look forward to seeing Rocco every Sunday when he came with his penny or two to pay off his family's debt. He'd even showed her the calculations he'd made that he'd have the whole debt paid off in 20 years. What else do you want? Yetta asked quietly. Bella looked around to make sure no one else on the sidewalk was listening to their conversation. I, I want to know how to read, she said. 
If I'd been able to read the letter from back home, the one about my family, it wouldn't have changed what it said, but I wouldn't have felt so helpless, so stupid. Back in Kalia, it didn't matter. I didn't know five people who could read. But here, I can't read that street sign, she pointed high over her head to a green sign filled with squirmy letters. I can't read the advertisements. At the factory, I can't read the signs on the walls. There could be a sign saying, all Italian girls get a $5 raise, and I wouldn't even know it. Signor Carlotti could go on cheating me forever. I'd tell you about that sign, Yetta said, but then I'd complain because the Jewish girls weren't getting the $5 too. I can teach you how to read, Jane said, squeezing her arm. I didn't know you wanted that. I'd help too, Yetta said, but I'm not very good at reading much besides Yiddish. Then I'll teach you both to read English, Jane said quickly. Bella made a face. Here you are, wanting to go to college, she said, and I'd just be learning my ABCs like Harriet Blanc. At least you know there are ABCs, Jane said comfortingly, so you've made a start. Bella was glad that her friends hadn't made fun of her. She was surprised when Yetta stepped forward and linked arms with Jane as well as Bella, so they made a closed circle on the sidewalk. We should make a pact, Yetta said. I haven't been back to English class since the strike, but we should all keep learning things. Jane at her college level, and Bella and me at our beginner level. Oh, you're so far ahead of me, Bella protested. Yetta shrugged that off. And I will try not to be so grumpy all the time, because if I'm learning, I will feel like I'm getting somewhere, Yetta continued. Hear, hear to that, Jane cheered. So we will not be stupid girls, Bella said. And we will not be useless girls, Jane added. And we will not be powerless girls, Yetta finished. Somehow it had become a serious vow that they were making, standing there in the middle of the sidewalk, with the crowds streaming around them. They kept their arms linked, a protection against the rest of the world. And someday we will vote, just like men, Bella said. And we will not say and we will stay not stupid and not useless and not powerless, and and we will stay friends, even after I marry Pietro, and Yetta marries that cutter who's always hanging around her machine, Bella began. What? I would never marry Jacob, Bella ignored Yetta's protests, and after Jane elopes with Mr. Blanc's chauffeur, Bella finished. Jane went pale at those words. Too late, Bella remembered that Jane really was a rich girl who still probably expected to marry a millionaire, not an immigrant chauffeur. I'm sorry, she gasped. You won't marry a servant. You'll marry... Bella hesitated. Then she thought of something Yetta had told her. You'll marry one of those New York University law students next door to the factory. That's okay, Jane said, shrugging. Who knows whom I will marry, or if I ever will. It's just, have you seen Mr. Blanc's chauffeur? He's 50 years old and bald as a post. He's as old as my father, she winced, as if even mentioning her father was painful. Bella wanted to recapture the feeling of unity they'd had just a moment ago. In my village, she said, on Midsummer's Night, June 23rd, men can pledge to become compare di San Giovanni, friends that can be even closer than family. We are not men, and it is not June, but I think that is what we just did. The other two nodded solemnly. We're, wait, don't tell me, because we're females, it'd be Comari. Comari di Triangle, Jane said. Triangle? But only two of us work there, Bella protested. 
No, no, not triangle like the factory. Triangle like the shape, Jane said. With three sides? What are we making standing here now? Bella had thought they were in a circle, but suddenly she understood. You mean like on the sign for the factory? That shape? The name means something? It's not just a word? She began to laugh at herself. I can't believe that I've been working there for more than a year and I didn't even know that. I will be a very hard student to teach. No, don't worry. You've learned it now. Your first lesson, Jane grinned. There's something in geometry about a triangle being the strongest shape. And that's us. The three of us are a much better triangle than the factory. Kamari di triangle, Bella thought. They were only words, but they warmed her heart. As she and Yetta and Jane turned and continued walking home, she felt almost as though she'd gotten one of her wishes. Her family had not come back to life, but it was like she had a family again. She had Yetta and Jane, her Komari.